our talk today. Why don't we pray for Jerry? If you want to stretch out a hand, we'll do this as family. Thank you, Lord, for Jerry. Thank you for the gift that you've given him and the words that you've given him. And thank you that it is you who speaks. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Good morning, guys. Good morning. It's good. It worked in the end, didn't it? We persisted. We were bold. We kept going. It worked. Praise the Lord. Um, so we're going to be thinking about prayer um, just for the next few weeks. I know we could spend years and years on the subject. Literally, we could spend years and years on the subject of prayer. There is so much to say on the subject. But um, we thought we'd just spend the next three weeks uh, thinking about a few particular aspects of prayer. Because um, it is, it's central, isn't it? How we communicate with God, our relationship with God. And um, the good thing is, God has spoken to us about prayer quite a lot. Jesus had a lot to say about it. So we've got lots of help as well on the subject. Um, but the two things I want to really focus on this morning are our boldness and persistence. And Jesus has a lot to say about those two things when it comes to prayer, boldness and persistence. But before I say anything more, I'm going to invite up Inga. Um, Because Inga and I were were, were praying for someone uh, a few days ago, and she was sharing the story of her father. And I thought, that's a great story of boldness and persistence. And um, so, Inga, tell us um, the story of praying with boldness and persistence for your father. Um, So, as you probably, many of you probably heard the story of Henrik, how Henrik had acute myeloid leukemia and how we prayed and the Lord healed him over one night. And, uh, but that day that we were going to hold the prayer meeting, uh, my dad went in for surgery because they discovered cancer in one of his kidneys. So that was a dark day. It looked like we could potentially lose the two main men of our family in a very short space of time. So it was, it was a very dark time, as you can imagine. Um, but they, they got dad's um, kidney out. And obviously the next day, the Lord had healed Henrik. So it was, it looked amazing at that point. But then by February, so that was the Lord healed um, Henrik in July 2017. But by February 2018, they had discovered that the cancer had spread to my dad's lungs. And um, they said, basically, there's one medicine we can give you. It's called Sutent. It works on some. It doesn't work on everybody. Um, if that doesn't work, it's palliative care. That's the end. So, um, so it was, it took me about a month. It took our whole family month, um, just to get over the shock of it and to start, stop panicking and, um, and for, for just to kind of seek the Lord during that time. And also just, I think, to give up our will of what we wanted to happen. Um, cause I've, I've just discovered on the journey with Henrik that my will clouded things. Um, but when I sought the Lord's will and surrendered to him, which is a word that came up this morning, when I surrendered to him, things began to happen. So, so by March, mom and dad went to the States because they live in Sweden. Um, they went to the States for a second opinion. And in the States, they said, no, what they've said in Sweden is perfectly correct. Um, that, that medicine is what we would have given as well. But, the doctor said, they've just uh, released this week a new therapy for your exact type of cancer. Um, And the FDA had just approved it in the States. So we thought, oh my goodness, it's going to take years until it gets to Sweden, thinking that the States was ahead of everybody else. So, um, but I kind of logged that that 
that thing, that's so weird that that week they had released this in the States, but it was going to cost millions and we don't have millions. So I did, I was like, even if we could get a hold of it, we can't afford it. But maybe there's some rich, cause my mom and dad work in Texas part of the year. So maybe there's some rich Texan who'd like to invest in his life. I don't know, you know, but we started praying about it. So dad went on that suit and that first medicine that they said, but it, he just got worse and worse and worse until he was coughing blood. And by June, he said, Inger, I can't go on anymore. I just can't go on anymore. And so again, we had to like, we were again panicking and surrendering and surrendering and surrendering to the Lord. Then he went to the doctor. The doctor confirmed, absolutely, the medicine hasn't worked. And then she says, but we've decided to give you immunotherapy. And we were stunned because nobody ever mentioned immunotherapy in Sweden ever. Um, and so she, we're going to trial it on you. So they started, they gave him the medicine and, uh, and I was just praising the Lord. And I was like, Lord, you could have just healed him like you did Henrik. You could have just like gone like that and he would have been well. Why? Why would you choose such an expensive medicine um, to give to him? And, uh, and I heard it clear as day. The Lord said, um, because to work through people is my preferred modus operandi. That's what he loves to do. He loves to work through us. So I was like, well, that's, that's different, but it was really, really encouraging. And just to say then, to wrap up, um, that about three months later, dad was no longer coughing. And he just, he had his two-year anniversary um, in February now since he was diagnosed with lung cancer, still going strong. And he's ministering, and, you know, we believe... I think this is the key. A lot of people said, Inger, just let him go, let him go. He's 70, you know. He's had a good life. Um, but I think we felt this, that, yes, when it's time our, t- our time to go, we must surrender. But if it's not our time to go, then we must fight. So what we did was we organized prayer for dad um, from the time that he was diagnosed. We had my, I would pray in the morning every morning. My sister prays in the evening. And then we had people praying around the world for different hours of the day. So we just prayed and prayed, prayed our way through these two years and just prayed against, you know, the enemy's intentions for dad and um, instead that God's intentions for him um, would be realized. And um, so, yeah, that's kind of the story. Awesome. Thank you, Inga, so much. I just think it's amazing how they, they, they mobilize people around the world to be praying. And I mean, it helps to have friends around the world, doesn't it? Because then there's sort of hours, <laughs> good times to pray. But it's amazing. And just that persistent prayer, how the Lord's will um, and their prayers came aligned and, um, and some amazing breakthrough happened. And he does. He likes to work through us. That's, that is his preferred way to work so often through us through 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 the medical profession through um through what we do he loves to work with us so um jesus the the kind of main bits where jesus actually teach he he kind of prayer comes up a lot in the way you know you see what jesus does um but the main places he teaches about prayer is on the sermon on the mount with um the lord's prayer and um, then he has two other parables that he gives about prayer. And that's really it in terms of his teaching, although he comments on prayer. And we see demonstrations of prayer a lot of the time through. So I'm going to just grab Luke 11. And um, you, you, may, you may know this, um, this passage, but this is where he's talking about the Lord's Prayer. And it says at the beginning of Luke 11, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, his disciples said to him, Lord, 
teach us to pray. And um, he goes on and he says to them the Lord's Prayer in this bit of Luke 11. And I'm not going to get into the Lord's Prayer this morning because that's a different topic and it's a brilliant topic, which again, I know, I know a number of Connect groups have spent weeks and months on the Lord's Prayer and it's something we can look at another time. But it, as you know, the Lord's Prayer is short, it's simple, it's big, yet it's profound, it's personal, um, yet all-encompassing. But what I want to look at is the next bit he says straight after the Lord's Prayer. The attitude he wants us to have in prayer. The posture to develop. He says this. Then Jesus said to them, this is verse 5 of Luke 11. Suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door's already locked and my children are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. I love the way Jesus decides to tell a story, basically comparing this relationship between us and the Heavenly Father as between a sort of grumpy man in the middle of the night being woken up. It's a great way to kind of jolt you in, awake into what he's trying to say. And, and basically the heart of it, he's saying, isn't he, in this story, he's not going to give you the bread because of his friendship with you. In fact, your friendship isn't on, is on quite shaky ground at this point because it's the middle of the night and that's just annoying. But it's just the fact you have been so shamelessly audacious and banged on the door in the middle of the night and asked for the bread. They so say, oh, just, oh, just do it. And he's sort of, God is saying, if, 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 you know, if that's the way it works, you know, even in a quite a, a very human relationship, whether it doesn't look like there's a good chance of anything good happening, how much more with your Heavenly Father? If someone loves you and you're a child of His. And, and I think Jesus really makes clear here, boldness is important, asking is important, knocking on the door is important. And I think he says it because the temptation is not to bang on the door, isn't it? The temptation is, well, either you might be thinking, he doesn't really care about this situation, about me, whatever it is. So the temptation is to not knock on the door. Or the temptation is to not knock on the door because you think, well, he's so busy caring about more important things that my little thing can't be that important. So I'm not going to bang on the door. But Jesus' invitation is bang on the door. All hours of the day and night, bang on the door. Be bold. And I love too the, the, the fact in this story it says, the, the, the man in the story, he doesn't say, he doesn't bang on the door and say, do you have any bread? Do you have any spare bread you could lend me? He, he doesn't kind of do it gently or in generalization. He says, friend, uh, give me three loaves of bread. He's very specific. I need three loaves of bread here. 
And I think a key part of boldness is being specific, having the courage to say exactly what you want. And, um, you know, it's true, isn't it? The more vague we are in what we ask for, the more vague it is if the Lord has answered it. You know, if I pray, Lord, bless Tom, how do I know if he's kind of asked that? I mean, it's great to ask the Lord to bless Tom, but it's quite hard to discern, well, would that have happened anyways? Has the Lord really asked that? What's going on? But, you know, if I, if I just say, you know, Lord, you know, give Tom the most delicious lunch he's ever had today, or I don't know what it's going to be, something's very specific, it's much more clear if he's answered it. And it's much more glorious to God and faith-building to us when it is answered. So part of being bold is being specific. But where do we find the courage to be bold? I I was sitting uh, writing this sermon on Friday and suddenly the door flew open to the house and there was I was sitting upstairs where in a sort of study where I, I tend to write and there was a shout up this end daddy take us to the park and uh, and you know that was isabel coming home from school now if any of you had thrown open my door and shouted up the stairs take me to the park i would have been a little bit kind of yeah it's pretty cheeky. But, you know, when it's your daughter, it's like, yes, no, actually, I was quite keen to take her to the park anyways. I wanted to, I was sort of getting a bit fed up with writing this, if I was honest. I was like, I just, I need, I need some relief here. So, yeah, park sounds like a great idea. Um, but it was, it was sort of shamelessly audacious, as children are. And God wants us to be the same with him. I am... I love what um, the pastor and author Sam Aubrey says. Prayer is not the flare gun of the desperate or room service for the indulgent. It is the confidence of the adopted. The confidence of the adopted. That's what we are. We're his sons and daughters. He's our father. And so we can approach like children with that kind of shameless audacity, with great boldness, and ask. And the wonderful thing is that that confidence is not based on what we have done for him, but it's based on what he has done for us. That's where the confidence comes from. It's on who he is, not on who we are. So the good news is, if you're Lent has already failed <laughs> and, and, and you haven't done quite as well as you were hoping to do you can still be just as confident before the Father as if you've done it perfectly because your relationship to him is you are a child of his the door is always open you can come confidently before him and yes doing things in Lent is wonderful and good and helpful. And I think a lot of the time what we do in Lent by disciplining ourselves maybe in certain ways is helping us to bring us more in alignment with the Father and what his will is for us. But it actually, it doesn't open the gates of heaven. It doesn't make us adopted. We already are. We're already in. The door's already open. And the invitation is to ask whatever the situation So boldness, 
but a humble boldness because he's done it, not us. And that's the tension we hold together, isn't it? That we can be really bold, but we've got to be really humble because it's him who's opened the door. It's him who's allowed us to be bold. Not, not, not because we've been so clever and good and wonderful like the kind of Pharisee, you know, the comparison between the Pharisee and the tax collector praying. The Pharisee's like, how good am I? That's not our confidence. Our confidence is in him. Second thing is our persistence. And again, Jesus tells a parable on this, doesn't he? Luke 18, he says this. Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen one who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? So it's not only boldness that's important, it's persistence, a keeping going. And the point, again, in this story, Jesus makes this great sort of comparison by using the most unlikely of situations. This low widow who would have had no power, nothing in this society, no influence at all. Changing the mind of the powerful judge who doesn't even care. Doesn't care about God, doesn't care about people. And he changes her mind. And again, we think... If that's the situation, how much more as a child loved by a heavenly father who cares for us, who looks out for us, how much more, if we persist, will we break through? And um, I'm not actually going to get you up now, Andrew, because we are so short of time. In fact, it's 10.30 already. Um, but I was going Andrew's got a wonderful story, speaking later of persisting in prayer, persisting, persisting, persisting. And, and, and through that persisting, actually bringing more alignment between his, God's will and his will, and then getting the breakthrough. And now he's in a job which you love, don't you? And, and most days, anyways, probably. And, uh, and, 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 you know, God has really answered, uh, his prayer through persistence. I know Tom, he invited him and his sister committed to pray for their brother, uh, uh, for a couple of months. And that was the breakthrough. The daily prayer for the brother brought the breakthrough in him coming to faith. I know that others here may have prayed for years for someone to come to faith and it hasn't quite happened yet. But we keep going because we base our theology not on our experience but on Jesus says. And he says, keep going. But there is something about bringing our wills into alignment with his will as we do it. One key to persistence. Don't bite off more than you can chew. You know, I love here in this story, the the widow, again, it has a simple plea. Grant me justice against my adversary. She doesn't go, it's not like a kind of long-winded legal defense or argument or anything. It's a simple kind of grant me justice. And I think the key to persisting in prayer is keep it simple. If you commit to trying to 
pray, I don't know, an hour or two a day for a certain situation, you're probably going to run out of steam quite quickly. If you commit to, I'm going to do a couple of minutes each day for this person, for this situation, and I'm not going to let go, what you'll probably find is you'll keep it going possibly for months. And within those months, you'll find some moments where actually you do pray for an hour or two for that situation. I love Pete Gregg, you know, the great, uh, great guy to read on prayer. He says, um, the, your prayer life is at its best when you pray small prayers continually rather than big prayers occasionally. And I think that's really helpful. Um, another, uh, that's all, we run out of time, I'm not going to say that. Um, final thing, what can we most persistently pray for? Back to Luke 11. It says, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, so he's just, he's just said the ask and you will be given to you, seek and you will find, all of that. Then he says, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? If he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. If you then, though you're evil, like the grumpy man in the mite and the unjust judge, we can all be like that, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give? And what's he going to say? Now, I know you probably all know in this room what he's going to say. But can you imagine this moment when he first said this? What's he going to say? How much more will your Father in heaven give? Through our boldness, through our persistence, what's he going to give? Give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. It's the ultimate prayer. And it's the ultimate answer to prayer. Because in his presence, all becomes well. Fullness of joy, fullness of peace. Even if the prayer we're praying isn't answered, even if the healing doesn't come actually in his presence, all things come right. All things are well in his presence. It says in Psalm 84, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than dwell in the tents of the wicked. There is something about being in the presence of God which nothing can beat and the Holy Spirit brings. And so kind of if all else fails, pray come Holy Spirit. And that's why we relentlessly do it. Every Sunday we pray come Holy Spirit. Because we know that's one prayer God will keep giving on because he's promised to. He's promised to his presence. So should we do that again now? Amen. Would you like to stand? You know, I, I was just reflecting as well. This weekend was the weekend last year, one year ago today, that Claire Backhouse came and spoke about speaking in tongues. And, I, I, and a number of you spoke in tongues for the first time. And I wonder if you've persisted and kept going with that gift. And I wonder if other gifts, like the gift of prophecy, you may have received and have you persisted and kept going and been bold. But let's just ask him afresh. What do we need to persist in? What do we need to be bold in to keep going? And ultimately, let's ask for his spirit. The band want to join me up here as we do this. Holy Spirit, we just ask you to come right now and fill each one of us with your presence. Come Holy Spirit, come in power.
and touch us and give us a fresh boldness and a fresh persistence. And help us, Lord, open that treasure chest again and lay hold of those gifts, be they of tongues, of prophecy, or whatever it is, of love, of kindness, of gentleness, of patience. Whatever those gifts are you want to strengthen in us today, come, Holy Spirit.